Today, if you have a Bible, let's open up to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And I actually thought, you know, because we're just about to head out into the holidays, it might be good to acknowledge what I see as a kind of like a logical and chronological connection between Thanksgiving and Christmas, you know. Uh, I'm actually hoping to do uh, something that is, is different. I've never really thought about this before, but what I want to do is tie these two holidays together in our hearts, you know, because I, I know Thanksgiving, it comes, it goes, we, we meet and eat, and next thing you know, we're off to the races to do our shopping, right? But have you guys ever really thought about the way that Christmas Day follows hard on the heels of Thanksgiving? Have you ever really pondered that? That, that, that concept. To me, it's really interesting, you know, and, and if there's one thing I've learned over the years is that nothing's random with God. It's not a coincidence per se that the incarnation of God is so close to the day that we express thanksgiving to God. And, and I think they should be close, and I think they should be connected because they really do go hand in hand. And it's kind of what we see in this passage right here in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. If you would, look for a moment at verse 15 where Paul kind of sums up this chapter by saying, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. You know, thanks be to God. There's Thanksgiving, right? For his indescribable gift. And to me, that's nothing less than the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, if you look at this, I think there's to be a perpetual thanksgiving for the giving of God's Son. And so we're going to see as we go through uh, that these two holidays, they really do go together. But the thing is this, and we got to be so careful because 1 John 5.19 says we live under this uh, sway, that the whole world is under the sway of the wicked one. And it can take, you know, these holidays that are intended to be holy days and it can just strip them of their purpose. You know, I, I don't know if you guys knew this or not, but the average person, they, they gain seven pounds during the holidays. You guys know that, right? How many of you guys already gained two over Thanksgiving Day, you know? And we got the tamales, and we got the cookies, and we got the pumpkin pie, and all that stuff, right? And so, um, you know, we do grow uh, physically, but um, wouldn't it be cool? Wouldn't it be cool if you grew spiritually. Wouldn't that be cool? Like the Thanksgiving holiday, you connect it with Christmas. You, you give thanks to God for his indescribable gift, but the world hates it. The enemy hates the concept. The, the enemy will fight you tooth and nail to make sure that you don't really focus on the true reason for the season. And so um, it, it's, that's why we just go crazy this time of year. You know, I don't know if you guys noticed this or not, but Black Friday is creeping closer and closer into Thanksgiving Thursday, you know? And it feels like, man, we're, we're done giving thanks. We're done with that. And now we're off to the races. We're off to the shopping. We're off to the mall. And we're, we're going 100 miles an hour, and we lose this amazing opportunity to grow as Christians, you know, and to take these things into consideration and to really give. And so, you know, I thought it would be so cool to, to do my best to encourage you and even myself to tie these two holidays together. You know, if we're not careful to consider this logical and chronological connection, 
we very well might miss this proximity and the meaning of both days. And what we'll do then is look back and say, well, that day was meeting and eating, and that day was all about shopping till dropping. And then another year goes by when the holiday was not a holy day because it was only celebrated on the surface. We somehow lost focus. It came and went without power because we were going 100 miles an hour. And see, that's what I'm trying to prevent in my own life. Lord, I don't want another holiday to go by like that. I think we need to slow down and give meaning to these moments. And so, you know, I do pray you guys are able to enjoy a nice meal with your family on Thanksgiving Day. Uh, out of curiosity, how many of you had turkey? I'm just curious. How many had turkey? Cool. They say 88% of Americans had turkey on Thanksgiving. 45 million turkeys we gobbled up in the United States of America. All the trimmings, 4,000 calories on the average by the, ta- the time the day's done. And then I do believe it is good to feast with friends and family. But again, one thing I've noticed is it's not good to let the Thanksgiving end. You know, wouldn't you say, you guys, wouldn't you agree that if we're not careful, the Thanksgiving to God will give way to gift giving to men, that the real reason for the season can really be swallowed up by all those sales that 50% off might make us off in our walks with the Lord. You know, we got to be so careful. And before you know it, we're no longer giving thanks. We're on the run. We're going shopping. We don't even know sometimes why. Sometimes it's because of an obligation we feel that we have to fulfill. And what I want to do basically now, I'm like, okay, now we're decorated. Um, We've just celebrated Thanksgiving. Let's extend it. Let's connect it. Let's make this year different than all the other years. You know, we have opportunities, you guys. This, they say it's a season or the spirit. There's like a spirit of giving, and it is true, you know, because ultimately we're going to see, even in our text in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, that the context is giving. You know, Paul is encouraging them to give, but it's all with the foundation of God giving his son. And so we just never forget as we're giving, and we're going to have opportunities to give. And I don't know if you guys knew this or not, but we've got an agape box in the back, and I know you guys give your tithes there, and it's so cool. Uh, we also have a, a Cambodia box in the, in the back on the left side, and maybe you can give an offering as the Lord would lead you, $10 to a, a, a kid, a child, an orphan in Cambodia. You know, the city of El Monte, they give away toys uh, to the children, uh, we're going to just, we're, we were just talking about this at our chaplain meeting, and uh, uh, we're going to give away toys there at Almonte High School. You know, maybe the Lord will lay it on your heart to give a toy, because I'll tell you what, something about Christmas, isn't it so cool to see the kids excited? But you don't want to make them selfish, and that's kind of like the, the balance there, huh? Because sometimes they'll open a gift, and they're like, okay, what's next? And they open up the gift, and, you know, what's next? And so... You know, we really need to to bathe these things in prayer. Lord, lead us and guide us in all this. You know, we want to make sure that we don't miss out on the opportunities to draw near to God. You know, we got to fight it. We have to make sure we do what's best in this time of year. And some might ask, well, how can you, you fight it? And I would say really by tying these two holidays together, 
uh, with an unslipping knot. You know, ladies, can you visualize the little yarn there, a little bow right there for Christmas and putting them together? Maybe the guys, you can weld it together. It's a different kind of shop. It's a metal shop, and you weld these two holidays together, Thanksgiving and Christmas. And so let's look at this passage, and then what we're going to do, nothing profound. Uh, we're going to look at a few passages, and as we embark now on the season, how many of you guys started your shopping already? Just out of curiosity. Some of you have, right? Um, I was in the mall last night. It was crazy. It was crazy, but I was there. <laughs> um, let's do this right, okay? Um, 2 Corinthians 9.15, it says, Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Now, as I mentioned to you, the background of this chapter is that Paul and the team were collecting donations for the poor people in Jerusalem. And so he encourages the Corinthians to give generously to this offering for the saints. And so he goes on, if you read the chapter here, to describe how if you give to God financially, God will always give back faithfully. It's just like planting seed in the ground. Uh, whatever you sow, you, you reap. And if you sow bountifully, you'll reap bountifully. That's what we see here in 2 Corinthians 9. Paul describes the cheerful giver in verse 7. Uh, Paul describes how it blesses the saints in Jerusalem. Paul describes how they then give thanks to God and they glorify God. And really, in chapter 9, he describes many facets of giving from different angles. But then he brings up something that is indescribable. After describing all these things about the principles of, of giving and, and just, you know, the way that the Lord will take care of you, he then describes something that's indescribable where he says, and thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. And so um, what is God's indescribable gift? What would you guys say that is? It's Jesus, huh? But, but it's so much more. It's so much more profound than that. You know, in Thanksgiving, when we were just about to, to eat and, and everybody's really, really hungry and, you know, you get in a circle and you're like, okay, can, can you guys tell us something you're thankful for? Uh, some people don't want to do that because they're like, no, I'm hungry right now. Can we do that a different time? And usually there's not an opportunity, you know, but this is our best chance right here. And so I tried to do it real quick. What are you thankful for? And it was just so cool, a little boy, just a beautiful little boy, he speaks up. And he says, I'm thankful for Jesus. You know, and right there, so simple, but so profound. I'm thankful for Jesus. And that's the indescribable gift. To me, there's, there's, there's you know, that's really the sum of it. But, but you can't really describe it adequately. You know, to, to be indescribable, it doesn't mean you can't say something about it. It just means that there are no human words no amount of words to do it justice, that we can't narrate this in full, that even if I spent the rest of my life talking and describing this gift of God that has been given to us, it wouldn't tell the full story of how much we've been blessed by this gift we've been given. You know, the NLT, it puts it this way, it says, thank God for this gift, too wonderful for words. And what we find in looking at the gift of the Lord Jesus Christ to our life is we must live the rest of our life 
in thanksgiving. And even though this gift is indescribable and that we can't discover everything about him perfectly, we can describe him partially. We can look at him biblically. And I believe in the process, if we do that today, we can tie these two holidays together appropriately. And so let's do that, you guys. Let's look at a few passages. Again, nothing necessarily new, but just so beautiful and true so that we can take Thanksgiving and we take Christmas and we tie it together and we give meaning to these moments that this holiday we would grow not only physically but spiritually. And so I want to give you guys three things about the Lord Jesus. And the first thing is this. uh, If you're a Christian here today, you've been given the Lord Jesus Christ. You have Jesus And you have been given life. Number one, Jesus is life. If you're here today and you don't know the Lord, maybe somebody invited you or somebody made you come and you didn't really want to come, but you're still here, you know, you need this life. Without the the Lord Jesus Christ, you're dead in your sins. And so let's turn to Ephesians 2. And notice what we read in verses uh, 1 through 10. Ephesians 2, it says, And you he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works, in the sons of disobedience. Now here, here Paul is writing to the church of Ephesus. It's a beautiful church. Um, and, uh, and he tells them, you know, that, that the Lord Jesus Christ has given you life. You were once dead in your trespasses and sins. And, you know, in that death, you were on this slippery slope without hope. You were like, you know, Satan was like, You know, you're like a puppet on his strings, and he was telling you how to walk, and he was telling you how to talk, and he had a home for you. It was a place called hell, and that's exactly where you were headed. We were were dead in our sins because the Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death. That was me. I was on my way there for eternity. That was my life. I think a lot of times we forget that. You know, as Thanksgiving was, was coming upon us, my wife said, you better clean up your mess over there because, you know, people are coming over. Isn't that, that's one of the cool things about having people over is you clean your house, huh? <laughs> <laughs> and so anyways, I just had this section with books and uh, old books and I had old journals. I had a whole bunch of old journals and I thank God I, I didn't throw them away. And so I took my old journals and I, and I brought them into my garage and one night... I went out there and I just started reading them. And I was reading my old journals about when I first got saved. I mean, we're talking 1990, 1991, 1992. You know, one of the journals I read was the day that uh, that I got married. Afterwards, I wrote all this thing. And I was like, wow, I was pretty romantic at one time, you know. (laughs) I mean, just looking back. But, you know, I I mean, just in the beginning, how fresh it was, how beautiful it was. I remembered how I was 
you know, one time dead in my sins and then writing, reading now about the life that I've been given. You know, I think sometimes we forget that. And when we look at this indescribable gift, although we can't describe him, you know, perfectly or completely, we can partially, we can biblically. When we look at the Lord Jesus, what we've been given, we, can, we realize that we've been given life. Life. We, we were dead. We were, we were, you know, on the string. We were puppets in Satan's hands. It says, among whom also we also once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. And see, hell is not just a place where you're separated from God. Hell is a place where you experience the wrath of God. And that's who we were by nature. And that's where we were headed in that slippery slope, without hope, we were dead in our sins. But notice it says in verse 4, But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And, and he raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places. In Christ Jesus. I mean, I remember my life. I remember the, the man that I used to be. I mean, you guys might look at me now, and I don't know what you think of me. Some of you know me a little bit better than others, and you might think, well, this is a pretty nice guy, and you know, whatever. Man, you don't, you don't know me. You don't know who I was before Christ came into my life. And I, I, know, I know a little bit about some of you, and you were worse. I mean, I would not want to come across you in a certain situation if you know what I'm talking about, man. But I look out at you now and I think, wow, what God has done. You know, they were dead in their sins. They were doing what the devil wanted them to do. They were on their way to spend eternity in hell. But God, it says there in verse 4, who is rich in mercy, he came and he, and he made us alive and and not only did he raise us up from the dead, but it says he raised you up to sit in heaven. That's what it says right there, that by grace you have been saved and raised up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come, he says in verse 7, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. You know, when, when we're there in heaven, some are going to say, where's your grace? Or some might wonder, and all he's going to do is he's going to say, right there, right there, right there, that person, that person, that person. I mean, it will be a testimony in all eternity. He says, for, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, here it is, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. You know, and, and that, that's the gift I'm talking about, you guys, this whole salvation, this whole life that we've been given. You know, uh, Jesus' life, and, and that's essential. That's what we need more than anything else. You know, I don't know how you guys do gifts. It's hard nowadays, especially in the States, because we have everything we need for the most part, huh? We have everything we need. 
You know, but I remember when my mother-in-law was alive, how every year she would give me socks. You know, and I, f I remember when she first started giving me socks, I was like, what's up with that? You know, I guess she doesn't really, she doesn't really like me. But then as the years go by, you start realizing, I need socks. <laughs> There's holes on the bottom and, you know, I don't know. I just trip out. I'm like, man, she knew. You know, she knew uh, what I, I needed. And you guys, more than anything else, that's what we needed. We were dead in our sins. I remember what it was like when I read the Bible and I didn't know the Lord. I remember how it was just a book. I remember how it was just history. I remember how it was just words. I remember how I used to go to church, and it meant nothing to me. I would go to church, and I would sit in those chairs, and I couldn't wait for it to end so I could leave that place and go and, and do my thing. I remember I did not understand spiritual things, and people used to talk to me about the Lord, and I had no clue what they were talking about because I did not have life. But then the day came when Christ came into my life. And that's what Jesus is, what we find right here. This is the gift we've been given. You know, Jesus is life. Isn't that what the Bible says in John 14, 6? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the, the life, right? In Romans 6, 23, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. You know, when you look at all the decorations for Christmas and you see the, the green, you know, um, the, the, the green, it's supposed to be symbolic of, of life, even in the wintertime. You know, even when it's cold out there, that it's still green. And that's us. You know, we've been given life, even in the wintertime, even though, you know, it's tough sometimes. We have life. And that's the green of Christmas. You know, there's also another color in Christmas. It's the white of Christmas, huh? And uh, I don't know, they, they, have you guys ever been in a Christmas where it snowed and it was all white and pretty and it would be kind of nice? Uh, even the lights are kind of cool, but, but the white of Christmas is the fact that when you give your life to Jesus Christ, when you accept this life, then you are forgiven and God sees you, uh, Isaiah chapter 1 says, as white as snow. And so, you know, you start looking at the colors, the green in it, and, and then the white, and, and it starts meaning something. One of my favorite passages in the whole Bible is Matthew one twenty one. It says, and she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Jesus saves us from our sins. He saves us from the power and penalty of sin. Before I was a Christian, I couldn't stop. Before I was a Christian, I had no power over sin. But when Christ came into my life, I could, and I was set free from all my addictions. And you see, that, that life, that power we've been given, not only, you know, the, the power of sin, but the penalty of sin, which is death, which is hell. Jesus Christ saved us from that. And so, number one, uh, Jesus is life. We've been given that at Christmas. Number two, Jesus is love. 
And for that, I was wondering if you could turn to John chapter 3. In John chapter 3, we read in verse 1 that there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a, a ruler of the Jews. And this man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, this is an interesting story because Nicodemus was a, was a Pharisee. He was a, a, a man that was considered a ruler of the Jews. And so, more than likely, he's part of the Sanhedrin. Later on, Jesus even calls him the teacher of Israel. And so, he comes to Jesus by night. And, and we're not really 100% sure why he comes by night. Some say it, maybe they were both busy in their schedules. Others say it was probably because Nicodemus was maybe trying to do it to where he wouldn't be seen because, you know, it wouldn't really go with the flow of what's going on there in the leadership in Jerusalem because they weren't in the same camp as Christ. And so, you know, he comes by night, but he sees there's something different about him. You know, he's so different than all the other religious leaders. This guy that would play with the kids, you know, this guy you know, that would, you know, hang out with tax collectors and prostitutes. You know, this guy that would teach, you know, and he didn't have the degrees that we had, but there was something about his teaching that was different. And then, you know, the, the signs that were being done, the, the lives that were being changed through his ministry. And Nicodemus saw it, you know, because he had been experienced in all the religion and all the, the hoopla of the temple, but he had never really experienced what, what Jesus was, was offering to the people. And so he comes to him and he says, Rabbi, we know that you, you're come from God. There's something about you that I want, that I need. So he comes to the Lord and he, he kind of says, I see something. I see something. But Jesus, he, he essentially says, you can't really see unless you're born again. Jesus said, most assuredly, in the Greek language, it's amen, amen. In other words, this is the truth. I tell you the truth. Unless you're born again, you cannot really see the kingdom of God. And I remember when I did get saved eventually, I went back to my aunt and I told her, I said, Thea, why didn't you ever tell me that I had to be born again because you're a religious person? And she said, oh, mijo, you were born again when you were confirmed. And I said, no, I wasn't. I may have gone through the ceremony. I may have experienced the sacrament, but I didn't know the Lord. You know, to be born again. He says, this is what you need unless you're born again. And, and you might be here today and again, you know, just sharing with you, man, this is what Christmas is all about. The life that he wants to give you. You know, you can't really see the kingdom of God. You can't see heaven. You can't see heaven on earth. You can't see the things of God unless you're born again. And so Nicodemus doesn't understand. He says in verse 4, well, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? 
And Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. You know, the the Lord, you know, he tries to share this because Nicodemus, and one of the things you'll see in the Gospel of John is that when they were supposed to take it figuratively, they often took it literally, and this is what Jesus is sharing right here. You know, you're not literally born again, not literally born in your mother's womb, but you have to be born from above. He says right here, you have to be born of the Spirit. Now, a lot of people wonder, well, what is verse 5 talking about? You know, the, the water and the, and the flesh. I mean, unless you're born of water and the spirit. And some say that the water would be the, the physical birth. You know how you guys were in, the, in the, your mom's water? What's it called? Amniotic fluid or whatever, you know? And, and physically and spiritually. Um, I personally believe the water is symbolic of the word, and you read in Ephesians 5, we washed in the water of the word. I think that when you read the Bible, what happens is the spirit of God takes the word of God to conceive a child of God. But that's really not the main point that Jesus is talking here. The context might actually f- uh, mean, mean the flesh and the spirit. It, it really seems to fit the context more. But the main thing is, is this, you've got to be born again. That you, just as you were born one time physically, now you need to be born again spiritually. And, 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 and so Nicodemus, he says, I don't understand these things. In verse 10, Jesus answered and said, Are you the teacher of Israel and do not know these things? Most assuredly, I say to you, we speak what we know and testify what we have seen. And you do not receive our witness. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended to heaven, but he who came down from heaven, and that is the Son of Man who is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. You know, the Lord is just, he's just saying, this is what you need. You need to get saved. In the Old Testament, you read the story. The children of Israel were bitten by snakes. They were dying. So God says, this is what I want you to do. I want you to take a snake. I want you to attach it to this this brass and serpent to a pole. I want you to lift it up. And all the people have to do is look. And if they look, they'll be healed. And the Lord says, that's a typology. That's a picture of me. He would be lifted up on the cross. And what we find is that as we believe in him, we'll be saved. That Jesus would die for us, that he would bear our sins, that he would suffer our punishment that we deserve. That's what Jesus is saying right here. But why would he do that? Why would, we do, why would he do that? Because I was the one that nailed him to the cross. Why would he do that for me? Because I was the one that spit in his face, that mocked him, that crowned him with thorns. Why would he do that? Because I was the reason that he died. Why would he do that to me? Because Romans 5.8 says I was his enemy. 
And that's when we get to this classic verse in verse 16. He tells us why. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. You see, when you look at the Lord Jesus and, and, you, and you're like, okay, I want to tie these two holidays together, Thanksgiving and Christmas, how, how can I do this? Well, well look at what you've been given. You, Jesus is life and Jesus is love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. You know, and, and, and what we find, you guys, this right here, it just changes everything, you know? Um, love, I don't know if that sounds too ambiguous to you, but it is a real, it is a real thing. It, it is something that we can receive. It is something that we can experience. It is something that we can reciprocate. There are many out there who unfortunately don't receive the love of God. They don't reciprocate that. But, but when you enter into this life and when you enter into this love, it changes everything. And, you're, and you look at that person right there and, and you wonder what's wrong with them is it, they don't know God loves them. So simple. So simple. You know, maybe they grew up and they were getting pounded to the ground their whole life and the concept of someone loving them escapes them. You know, um, when you look at that person over there and you're just like, man, they're so beautiful. They're so wonderful. There, there's something about them. There's like an aura about them. It's amazing to me. What is it about that person? And it's like, it's the love. It's the love that they live in. You know, I mean, it's the love that they allow to come in and to go out, it's, it's a flowing love. It, it's amazing to me. You know, there's a beautiful psalm in Psalm 63 in verse 3. It says, because your loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise you. You know, and, and I like that verse. It, it basically says your love is better than life. I love that verse because I think for a lot of us here, you know, we, we're just fighting to, to live or fighting to survive, you know, in one sense, physically. When in all reality, what, what, what good is it if there's not love? You know, what's more important to you, uh, physical life or love? You know, what good is life without love? David kind of says, I'd rather die than live apart from that atmosphere of agape love. And so if our heart beats... You know, let them beat with love, with people to love, a, a God to love, a God of love. And then what happens is 1 John 4, 19, it really begins to sink in. We love because he first loved us. And so you look at the green, uh, it's evergreen, it's life. And then you look at the red and you're like, well, what's the red all about? And I already got a red shirt for Christmas just in case... You, we should probably prepare for things like that, huh? What's the red? It's the blood. What does Romans 5.8 says? But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, 
Christ died for us. You see, that, that's what Christmas is. It's a, it's a love. If you go to Romans 8, And notice what we read in verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, we just talked about that, how God gave his son. He, he who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long, we are counted as sheep for the slaughter. In other words, God's people are going through hard times. You know, but, but what he's saying, but yet in all these things, verse 37, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. You know, because here's the thing, you guys. During the holidays, a lot of people, they go down. They get depressed. And, you know, nine times out of ten, it has to do because of the fact that they've lost a loved one. You know, and, you know, to be honest with you, like, to me, probably one of the most important parts of the holiday is just me being with my family. You guys are cool. You know, but I just love it when it's me and my family. There is something about that. That's where I, I just, I love my family. And then when one gets taken away, all those years together and then the holidays come around and you're so used to spending it, you know, with your loved one. And they're not there. That can be so hard. And that's where we have to come back to something like this. And it's like, okay, well, you know, let me see what, what God has to say about this. And then we come back and, and we realize that that nothing can separate us from his love, that not even death can, that somehow God has a purpose in this. And if I would lift my eyes, I can actually give thanks. And that's what the Bible says. It's exactly what the Bible says. It says, in everything, give thanks. And what you start doing is you start praising God. You start praising him by faith, not feelings. You say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, because I realize that Jesus is life and Jesus is love and nothing can separate me from, from your love. And even in these things, God, it's all part of your plan. Jesus.
Jesus is life, Jesus is love. And then the, the last thing, and I don't know how you're going to feel about this, but I hope you would like this, is Jesus is Lord. And, and look to Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9 in, in verse 6, it says, For unto us a, a child is born, and unto us a son is given. And so there you have the humanity of Jesus, uh, the child is born. But then you, you also have the deity of Jesus, for unto us a son is given. But notice what it says. It says, the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. And so, like the little boy, what are you thankful for? I'm thankful for Jesus. So simple and yet so profound. And you start looking at these things, real simple things. Jesus is life. Jesus is love. Jesus is Lord. And then you start looking a little closer, and then you realize, wow, this is, this is really what it's all about. I need to... I need to embrace these things. I, we need to remember these things. I mean, when you look at Isaiah 9, verse 6, we know it's a very uh, classic Christmas passage. But a lot of times I don't think people realize, you know, what it really teaches, you know. They, 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 they just say, well, Jesus came. Yeah, he came. But notice the nature of his coming. It says, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and, and I like that because that, that means that he assumes the leadership in our life. That, that, that means that Jesus is Lord. And he's the Lord of my life. Now, I don't know how that makes you feel because some people, they don't want to get bossed around. You know, some people know they're like the Frank Sinatra's. I did it my way. I hate that song. <laughs> I mean, if you do it your way, you're going to end up in, in hell. I'm sorry, man. Maybe you like the music, but I'm just telling you this. You don't want to do it your way. You need a leader. You need the Lord. You need the one who's able to bear the leadership on his shoulders, not yours. You know, he will be the Messiah, and he goes on to talk about that. But, but here's the thing. It's kind of cool when you have a leader like this. I mean, right here, the government will be upon his shoulder. His name will be called. And notice the, the, this boss, this Lord that we have, wonderful counselor. I mean, when, you're, when you don't know what to do or you need someone to talk to, he's your counselor. He's your, he's your mighty God. That means, you know, he's got the strength that you need. He's your, he's your dad. He's your, you know, everlasting father. Think about that. In times get hard, he's a prince of peace. He'll give you peace, right? I mean, and, and the one that I really wanted to kind of hone in on is just the, the one that is, he's called wonderful. And, and that's a hard one, you know, because when Jesus is the Lord of your life, 
How many of you here, be honest, be honest, if it were up to you, you probably would have done your life different. Like, no, don't raise your hand. Okay. Um, <laughs> and, and, I, and I'm talking about how, like, you know, you, that wouldn't have happened to your child or that wouldn't have happened to your spouse or that wouldn't have happened to you or that wouldn't have happened, you know, that tragedy or that calamity or just, man, you, you're like, man, if I were God, I would have done it a lot different. A lot of us here. But you got to understand that, that in those hard times, God is accomplishing his purposes. And I always tell you guys, in the pain, there is purpose. In the tragedies, there's victories. And, and what ends up happening is the wonder of the word wonderful begins to stand out. And I look at my own life. I look at some of the things that happened to me growing up. And I look at some of the things that happened to my friends in church. And I wonder. I wonder about that. Lord, I, I, why? And God says, well, right now you don't know, but one day you will. Because it's a peace that surpasses understanding. And what we find is that you know, in Jesus, who is life, and Jesus, who is love, and Jesus, who is Lord, you know, we can give thanks. You know, the Bible says, in everything, give thanks. In First Thessalonians 5, verse 18, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. You know, uh, the lights of Christmas. How many of you like the lights? Of, I love the lights of Christmas. I really do. But you know, they say that the light was symbolic of the Lord Jesus Christ, who's the light of the world. And you guys know that the light shines brightest in the darkness, right? And so, um, what does the Bible say? Weeping may endure for a night, but joy, it comes in the morning. And, and as we go through life and times get dark and we don't understand what's going on, we come back to this, man, that, that Jesus... You know, he, he's, he's Lord. He's in control. How many of you think that Jesus is out of control? You're like, he's out of control. No. <laughs> he's in control. You know, how many of you here think that he's not on the throne? No, he's on the throne. Why? Because Jesus, he's Lord. And, and as we remember these things, I think what ends up happening is we could take Thanksgiving and we can connect it to Christmas the way it should be. One guy said this, For each new morning with its light, Father, we thank Thee. For rest of shelter of the night, Father, we thank Thee. For health and food, for love and friends, for everything Thy goodness sends. Father in heaven, we thank thee. How can you give thanks? How can you give thanks with what you're going through? It's simple. You connect it. You take Thanksgiving and you take Christmas. And you connect them back together to where they belong. It's a logical and chronological connection that we must not sever. You know, the other day, the heat went out in our house. 
You guys know how cold it can get, right? I mean, might as well be living back east. It's crazy. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> so, you know, they're like, well, what are we going to do now? What are we going to do now? I'll tell you what we'll do now. We'll bundle up. Get over here, sweetheart. I need some of your sweeter heater stuff, you know. <laughs> Son, I know you're not an affectionate kind, but get over here. Daughter, and get the blankets on, and woo, throw on a fire. You're good, huh? Because God will take all those things that, that were intended for evil. And if we let him, you know, he'll use it for good. You know, don't be like those. I remember reading in Luke 17. We don't have time to go there, but those 10 lepers. And Jesus healed them all. And, you know, and what ended up happening was only one came back out of the 10 that were healed. And, and Jesus, you remember what he said right there? He said, what's up? Remember? So what's up with that? Only one comes back to thank me? You guys, Thanksgiving is not over. As a matter of fact, it's never over, huh? And so let's keep these together and let's see what God does this year. And my prayer is that as we go through these holidays, that we would grow spiritually, not just physically.